0: your positive positive, positive. Imprint. Imprint. imprint 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 stories are everywhere
1: people and their positive action inspire positive achievements your pi could mean the world to you get ready for your positive imprint <laughs> welcome i am your host Catherine praisewater don't forget to sign up for email updates at yourpositiveimprint.com You receive not only updates, but also the benefits of being placed in random drawings for prizes right here on your positive imprint. What's your PI? Well, today's guest travels all over the world for his work. I have Andrew, and he is the partnership manager for Feed the Future Partnering for Innovation. First of all, that is such a fantastic foundation, so we're here to hear about it from Andrew and his special word or his inspirational word. So, Andrew, welcome to Your Positive Imprint.
0: Thank you, Catherine. It's great to be here.
1: Super, and you have such a a great uh, imprint with your job. This is just amazing. I'm so anxious for you to tell your story and for us to just converse a little bit. So, uh tell us a little bit about first of all your word that you have today for inspiration or as your positive imprint.
0: So my my word or positive positive imprint is partnerships. It's integral to what I do. It's in my job title, it's in the title of the the project I work on and it's to to me it it's very meaningful because it means bringing together um disparate groups who don't don't normally work together and trying to achieve a a better, more positive impact.
1: Oh, so right there, better and positive inference. So Feed the Future Partnering for Innovation. Can you tell us what that is? Give us a little bit of background.
0: Sure. So Feed the Future uh, was President Obama's initiative uh, for global food security. And now it's been enshrined in law. And this, this project, Feed the Future Partnering for Innovation, is funded by the U.S. government through uh, United States um, Agency for International Development. And our goal is to create public-private partnerships uh, to invest in sustainable agriculture that benefits small farmers across the world.
1: So, sustainable agriculture for those uh, for the listener that might not know what that is, can you go into detail with that?
0: Sure. the The way that we see sustainable agriculture is uh, agricultural practices that benefit small farmers that are, are sustainable environmentally. And that will provide real and um, real incomes to small farmers, so so they can have a livelihood out of out of agriculture, and it's it's not just subsistence agriculture, living from season to season.
1: Okay, so how does that work if it's not subsistence agriculture, living from season to season? How does what how how does that differ?
0: Sure. So so traditionally, uh, farmers have, have done what what they're they're parents and grandparents and ancestors have done um we like to to work in in new technologies and new farming practices that allow farmers to grow more or to grow different crops uh, that are more marketable and and so in addition to feeding themselves they're able to earn money on top of that and so that allows them to put their kids in school that allows them to to take care of their medical expenses and to and to pursue other opportunities that they, they hope for in their lives.
1: Oh, my gosh. So how, how worldwide is this initiative, Feed the Future, partnering for innovation?
0: So we have, we have worked in more than 20 countries. Um, my, oh my, my portfolio, goodness. yeah, it's quite, it's quite global. It's, um, we're working everywhere from Guatemala to Malawi to Ukraine to Bangladesh um, and many places in between.
1: So tell me about that. Have you have you been to all of those countries, all twenty?
0: <laughs> I personally no, but I've I've traveled to quite a few countries uh through through partnering for innovation. Um I've been to Guatemala, Honduras, Mozambique, Malawi, Zambia, Kenya, and I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting a few.
1: Wow. Do you speak any of those languages?
0: Yes, I speak Spanish and Portuguese.
1: Uh, and, and so you're able to use those in the countries that you mentioned.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's really it's really integral to the work to to be able to communicate with the farmers and the the, the organizations that we're working with on their terms and in their language, and to be culturally sensitive and and appropriate whenever possible.
1: Uh, so your title, partnership manager, so that doesn't just you're just not on the outside. You're actually on the inside. Working with the people in these countries or at least with the government?
0: It it really runs the gamut and we work with a number of, of different organizations and partners, whether it's governmental or private sector or, or nonprofits. Um, it really depends on the country and the specific the specific partnership and and yeah, so so we, we do a lot of business support. We do less on the on the agronomy side of things. Um, because we, we rely on local experts to handle that because they know the individual countries much better than we do.
1: And so you probably have learned from these experts a little bit on farming.
0: Yes, absolutely. I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to work in everything from the production of potato seeds to poultry to a little bit of aquaculture. And now I'm getting more into agricultural insurance and, um, you know, a number, a number of different, different sectors. We really want to focus on whatever we think will, will positively affect small farmers that have the greatest impact. So we're not, we're not so concerned on working in a certain crop or a certain technology. It's what will have the biggest impact and the most sustainable impact.
1: And so obviously it's going to be different in each of these areas. So you were talking about, so poultry. So you're learning also not only about the agriculture, but it sounds like livestock. As well.
0: Yep, agriculture, livestock, aquaculture, uh, any anything—even not if it's not directly raising a crop or an animal, it could be working in the in the microfinance uh, space or working in um, post-harvest loss or um, cold storage. So we're, we're very very open to anything that's beneficial to small farmers.
1: Some of the terms that you've been mentioning are not familiar to me. And there might be some listeners that might want to hear a little bit more about some of what you mentioned. Like you said, uh, crop loss. I'm sorry. I, mm-hmm.
0: uh, post harvest loss,
1: post harvest loss. So that seems to be to me what you just said. I mean, that seems to be a, a worldwide, uh, not phenomenon, but something that's occurring all over the place due to, you know, weather or improper. Uh, planting of a seed could cause that i'm sure
0: mm-hmm. if they
1: don't understand the seed so can you elaborate a little bit
0: sure so so we work a lot in in post harvest loss and that basically means from you know from the moment you you pick a tomato for example that tomato is starting to degrade because it's no you know it's no longer really living um and so it's important to to keep that tomato in the best conditions possible to keep it out of dust, to keep it out of the sunlight. And at each step from when that individual tomato is picked until you buy it and consume it, there are a lot of opportunities for the quality to be degraded up till the point where it's no longer usable or no longer edible. And so that might involve improving transportation from the field until the, the grocery store or um packaging it in better crates rather than throwing all the harvested tomatoes in sacks where they are subject to a lot of damage. Um, it also involves getting the, the tomatoes or any crop a little bit cooler uh, because often they come off the field really, really hot and the the longer they stay hot, the faster the they're degraded. So so it really it really runs the gamut from transportation to Cold storage to better packaging and handling, um, and shortening the period from when a a crop is harvested until it's consumed.
1: Oh my gosh, this is super intricate, and it goes really into a huge depth from just planting the seed. So, I mean, this is very interesting because people don't realize that when something comes off and it's harvested. That it is no longer living because it's not connected to its lifeline. Mm-hmm. So then, I would guess that the choosing of the seed is probably something that is of importance. Can there be a wrong choosing of a seed to plant?
0: Yes, absolutely. So, so the the seeds we we actually to continue the tomato example in Zambia, we're working on a tomato seedling project and. Each, each seed is, is adapted to the local environment. So a seed that, that might work out very well in Guatemala at a higher altitude maybe would be, you know, totally inappropriate for, for Zambia or another African country. So you really, you know, sometimes we work with local research institutions or universities who are producing seeds that are, that are adapted to local conditions. Maybe they're tolerant to drought or tolerant to, um, saltier soil or different soil pHs. So yeah, seeds play a huge role and, you know, some seeds do very well with fertilizers and need pesticides, whereas some, you know, do are lower yielding, but they, they don't need those things necessarily.
1: Wow. So there has to be some form of educating the farmers is, or do you just, or does does this foundation Feed the Future partnering for innovation. Do they bring everything that they need, or do they sit at a table? I mean, how does this work?
0: So we we typically work through organizations that are. We provide funding to organizations that are that are on the ground, um, and typically the the small farmers will be familiar with this organization. And and what we do is they typically the the organization or the business will tell us what they. What they think they need to better sell a, a product that's beneficial to a small farmer, and and oftentimes there is an educational component to that, where either the company itself will have agronomists, and and those agronomists will work directly with farmers. Other times they will, you know, contract that out to an NGO or a government institution. So it really it really depends on the country and the location, but education is always a huge component because. Small farmers well they they you know by definition are don't have a lot of money they they want value and they they want to they want something that works for them and having education on a new product seed or what have you will ensure that their investment of their precious money will go a long way and will be worth it
1: wow this is i'm I'm so much enjoying this because I'm learning quite a bit about mm-hmm. your imprint and and the feeding the future and partnering for innovation and this name is just phenomenal and so you're partnership manager so you i take it you'll follow money you'll follow seeds you do you get to engross yourself in the culture when you're out there
0: i ideally yes it um you know i've been to i've been been all over the place and and typically on on my visits i'll be in the capital city for meetings but then i always Want to go out and see the product in action. So that might mean uh, trips way out into the bush in in a certain country to see farmers actually growing these crops or using the you know the supplies that we've been funding. Um, and and so that's always that's always great great for me because it's the farmers who they have to be satisfied. They have to feel like they're being treated fairly. Um, and so so for me it's really valuable to get out out of the office and see the you know the people who are intended to be helped by the, by these uh, agricultural technologies.
1: Do you have any fun stories you'd love to share with regard to either a family or a culture or or a witness to a harvest or all of the above?
0: <laughs> um so so I I I had a I had a really great time I was in Malawi um, about two years ago, and I was working with two organizations. One one organization that warehouses um, agricultural crops once they've been harvested, and I was working with another company that provide that developed a, a legume inoculant for for you know beans and things like that. But in in Malawi, I found the the Cheowa culture to be very alive, and in some of the more rural areas, we would see. See people of the, of the Chewa, um, ethnic group, um, along the roadsides wearing their traditional, um, traditional outfits. And it, it gave me the opportunity to, to talk with the Malawians that I was traveling with to learn more about, about their culture and, and the beliefs. And, and in fact, um, after that, after that trip, I, I, I asked them, I asked the people I was with, about their their marriage practices, and they they told me that in traditional culture, they're supposed to um, when when a man wants to marry a woman, the man is supposed to give the woman's family a number of cows based on their ability and the value. And so I I did a sort of I implemented that in asking uh, the family of the woman I married. Uh, I gave I gave them some wooden cows as a symbol of Malawian culture. And I thought that was a really, really nice, um, aspect that I appreciated and wanted to bring back and share with, uh, with my now uh, wife and family.
1: Oh, what a fabulous story. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So you learned something from a culture and you brought it back and you shared it for your own, your own (laughs) inspiration with the family. And that's so cool. And so what, uh, What other or and obviously you were affected by that Mm -hmm. in a a great way. So not only is it your positive imprint, but the people that you've met around the world have provided their imprint, which has affected you. And that's Mm -hmm. what I really, really like about the good in our world is it it's it goes on. It's just Mm -hmm. it's everywhere. And we want to hear and share these stories. So what other cultural stories, although I don't know if you could beat that one, but what other <laughs> cultural stories or stories about some of the families you've met that you'd like to share?
0: You know, one one thing that I, I, I traveled to Guatemala recently, and I did not, I did not know a lot about the, about the Mayan culture. And I traveled up to the the Western Highlands where we were working on a potato seed production, a project. And it was it was really really beautiful to me to see the the very outward manifestations of Mayan culture alive and well that you know even my my meager Spanish skills weren't that useful because all of these indigenous uh, languages based on the Mayan culture are still very much alive. And you know, the people that the Guatemalans we were working with, they had to speak in addition to Spanish, five or ten other, um, languages based in the Mayan culture, just to be able to to work in this relatively small uh, mountainous area. Um, so I always I always find that really interesting the the different languages and, and cultures that you experience.
1: I'm uh, sure. And do you have a or I don't know if there's a need, but mm-hmm. do you have people that go with you that will translate languages for you, or are there enough people in the countries that speak? Either Spanish port, well, obviously not in the culture you were talking about now. But how do you communicate?
0: So typically, the what the organizations we partner with, typically the the manager of that partnership on 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 the counterpart organization side will speak English. Um, if not, you know, ideally we will we will share one language together. And then once I'm on the ground in that country. If that person is able to translate for me, that's great. But if not, we'll hire a, a local speaker of, the, of mutual languages because it's so important to communicate with people in their language where they feel comfortable. It's much more important for them to be able to get across what, what they're thinking and feeling and their hopes and dreams uh, than for me to to speak in English and just expect that someone will understand me. It's much more important for me to listen and understand.
1: Oh, very humble. Yes. And I like that very much. So I want to go back a little bit because I listeners probably want to hear the ending to your story. And I was just thinking about that. So you brought the cows back to, or the wooden cows Mm back to the family. So did the family accept the cows so that you could marry the woman
0: or, or, (laughs) or
1: or are you left without?
0: (laughs) Well, there was there was a, a beautiful and, and happy conclusion to this story. And, and when I, I presented the cows to the to the parents um, in, a, in an American twist, they said, well, of course, we can't give permission. We can only say that, you know, we accept you. If, if she says yes, then we will. And so so for me, it was important to make my intentions clear. And, you know, relatively soon thereafter, I I asked for her hand in marriage, and she said yes, and we were Aww. recently married.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, so the
1: cows worked.
0: They, they worked.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool. What a what a great story. And that comes from the culture of Malawi. Yes. Okay. All right. And so your positive imprint. What what do you feel your positive imprint as you talked about partnerships in the beginning. And that's, that's awesome. And people are humble when I converse with them and I record their conversations for your positive imprint. And uh, so it's hard for people to answer, but what do you feel your positive imprint is globally or locally?
0: (laughs) Well, so as you know, it's a it's a U.S. government funded project. And we using our our budget, we invest money into these into companies abroad. And so we as as part of that, as part of our our duty to the American taxpayer, we, we track the money and we track how it affects people, how many people are reached by by these interventions. And and for me, I, I work a lot on on tracking those the numbers of farmers who have been affected and how it affects their income and things like that. And and so I can say that the of the projects that I've personally worked on of the we we've had about 50 partnerships and I've worked on maybe 10 20 of them and and through that we've probably reached you know 200,000 up to 500,000 individual farmers across the world.
1: Wow. Oh
0: my goodness. And it, yeah, and for for overall we've reached more than a million farmers. And it's just it's just a joy to to know that, you know, that I'm in this position where where I have I have the resources to make an impact like that. And it's it's really humbling and it's it's really a dream to be in that position to try to try to take the, you know, this money that uh, from the U.S. taxpayers generously, you know, given it through taxes and and be able to multiply it and, and really affect a lot of people abroad.
1: Well, and in turn, I, some of the products or the produce, uh, from these countries, do they, is it going to be for their families or do they actually harvest things as you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. to go to the grocery store? And is it just local or do some of them branch out and are they able to sell it worldwide or in, or regionally?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the, a lot of the, Crops that we're working with are more are more cash crops. An example is we're working with a company in Haiti um, that works in the, in mangoes, and pretty much the, the goal of that project is to improve the quality of mangoes uh, for these for these farmers so they can export them to the U.S. So if you if you end up finding a mango at the Whole Foods over the summer. And it's from Haiti. It's very likely that that was exported under under this project with with the U.S. government support.
1: Oh, now that's that's I'm in awe of that. Just knowing that we we can actually go in and see that our tax dollars are being <laughs> spent on something that is sending a return back.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: what about United States? Is there something that United States farmers need to worry about with the competition?
0: Not too much. It's you know in in the U.S. we have a you know, a very well-developed agricultural system. We have, you know, the most advanced technology. We have great, great research institutions. We have great government support for agriculture, and and the the farmers we're working with are, you know, they're they're, you know, an infinitesimal uh, percentage of of what our farmers in the U.S. are producing, and. You know, oftentimes the things that, that I'm working on, we're not, we're not even really competing with, with American farmers. Um, if you look at, you know, maybe coffee or, um, you know, even mangoes, we do grow some mangoes in the U.S., but, but it's not really, it's, it's kind of a drop in the bucket. And, you know, honestly, for, for us, it, we're, we're working to improve the food safety and, and we, we import a lot of our food anyway. Um, especially things that we can't grow here, and we're typically working with uh, with producers of foods that are not grown here. They're you know they're grown in Honduras or Guatemala and exported to the U.S. for for a reason. And and we're just trying to make that system better for the farmer, as well as to make that food safer for the American consumer.
1: Well, I hope that we have listeners right now in some of those countries that you have visited because they can hear your story, and some of them might. <laughs> perhaps have even met you wouldn't that be awesome if if someone was listening and they said oh my gosh we know Andrew he's just this awesome awesome person that has visited us so and if somebody wants to figure out how to uh, work at a place of your the, the feed the future or some other how would they go about doing it because this is something that people some people really want to do something to help others and it you know, we have people that join the Peace Corps and other things. So what kind of opportunities might be out there?
0: Sure. You know, there are a number of opportunities, whether it's, it's through the U.S. government or it's through, um, you know, consulting firms like, like I work for, or it's through NGOs or through religious organizations, or, you know, a lot of universities are working on things like this. Um, but even, you know, even at working at your local, uh farmers market or working in agriculture here, you know, we can make a huge impact on on the agricultural system both here and abroad. And I think that what's great about working in agriculture and food is that this is a sector that's never going away and keeps having new and interesting opportunities uh, for people. So I think you don't you don't necessarily need to move abroad or or even out of where you live because there's there's a great impact Everywhere, even, you know, your local supermarket is importing food from tens or hundreds of countries.
1: So, well, thank you for that. And thank you for the opportunity. And do you have anything else you wanted to share with your positive imprint?
0: (laughs) Sure. I just I think that that through through this work that I've been doing for the last few years, uh, it's really shown me um, the importance of thinking of a new and collaborative ways to work with people. Um, our our project is called Partnering for Innovation because for for several reasons we're looking at innovative ways to partner between U.S. government funded uh, initiatives and local private sector companies in developing countries. So that that's been innovative and eye opening, and we've really shown that that can be a great use of of taxpayer money and a great way to to affect a huge number of small farmers, and also. You know, looking at other, at other innovations, um, in, in the agricultural sector and sometimes ones that, that are, are very non traditional. Um, so I think that, that what it's taught me is that, is that you, you would be surprised what you can learn from or how, what I, what I've learned is that part, partnerships and collaboration with, with other people, is even especially those who you didn't who didn't seem like a like a natural fit initially can really open your eyes and really really lead you to to better thinking and better outcomes.
1: Wow, we are going to end on that. You are absolutely interesting. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your positive imprint. And you are listening to your positive imprint. Go to YourPositiveImprint.com for the links and other information regarding Andrew. Again, Your Positive Imprint, and hit the positive button and subscribe now. Thank you.